All right, everyone, welcome back to the Three of Seven podcast. Um, due to your multiple requests, we're sitting down to do another Origins episode, <laughs> and we we didn't really feel like it tonight, but we just keep putting it off, and we were like, I mean, it's eight forty four. We both been working. We both been working. We both been working all day. That's the reason I can't talk. Well, you know, I think these are, they're fun episodes. It's fun to think back and talk about all the, um, well, I guess all the stories behind. All your stories? <laughs> what led us to to get to this point. But yeah, it is. It's a But the podcast is a labor of love and it is a huge time commitment. And um, that's true. That's, that's just the way it is. And we just trust that it's providing value to you guys that are listening. Yeah. We we hope it is. If it isn't, let us know what we can do different because this is your show. We do this for, for you guys. So That's a really good, yeah, constructive criticism slash feedback. We don't get a lot of that. I mean, I guess it's because you're doing a good job, but yeah. that would be cool to see, like, what people think you, you, we, us could do to improve. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few things. We could probably get a better video camera. Uh, hire a video guy to make our YouTube stuff. The video stuff is kicking my butt, man. I got to get that out. Yeah, we, but we're we're working on hiring somebody. That's yeah. going to happen. Like our video quality is going to get better soon. Well, April, April, we were talking earlier is kind of that is our busiest month of the entire year. Mm-hmm. So we're getting, we're really trying to maximize our potential as we move through the month of April, and then, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have plenty of time to, um, to make all these improvements but yeah you guys are listening so let us know anyways if you haven't listened to the other origins episodes go back and check them out this is just basically our story from the beginning it's chad's story (laughs) whatever man she's so ticked off about that i have uh, me and both of our families have given you a ration of crap because you you were just having so much fun reliving like these days that you're just hoarding the whole show. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, we'll go ahead and let you start this one off then. Uh, I think we finished off at uh, Bud's on the last episode. And Bud's graduation. Oh, I, hold on. Don't let me start this off. I was about to start this thing off. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to start off with a story. What story? Ooh, the tick story. No, you can't tell. That I'm telling the, the tick story. I'm telling it. You can't. You have to use, um, regular regular language. Baby, you act like I cuss. I don't cuss. I know, but you're you're a little rough around the edges. You're like a diamond in the rough. I don't even have anything to say to you. So, I told I we told them we were going to tell this story. I'm pretty sure. Whose idea was it? It was like Tim. Snee or somebody's idea was like oh probably perry oh it probably was perry it was perry yeah oh perry major so me and chad had been dating for maybe i don't really don't remember it was very soon after we began a relationship maybe a few months and we used to coon hunt or raccoon hunt a lot of nights and when you'd come back in in the summer or the spring from raccoon hunting you would check each other for ticks. It wasn't like, it was just, it was very platonic what we did because you didn't, Lyme disease, there's other reasons. We'd check each other, right? Had to. 
had to. So I was accustomed to this. And one evening, okay, let me back up. I don't know if you guys have ever had a tick attached to you before, but it's a weird feeling. It's like an itchy, irritant, like you know something's there, but you don't know what it is. It'll get sore. So one night we get done, we checked each other for ticks. Chad has no clothes on, zero clothes. And he says, baby, I think I got a tick in my butt crack. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get it for you. So Chad gets on all fours. Let me paint this picture for you. He's got a raised bed that's like really high off the ground. That used to be massive bed frame. So he's on all fours with his feet hanging off the edge of the bed right on the edge. And this is where I have to behave. And um, I'm looking for this tick because he seemed so sincere and I'm looking and I'm like sifting and moving stuff and like, where is it? And I'm like, babe, I don't see a tick. I think you're good. And I was going to like pull away and you said, what did you say? You were like, no, it's there. I can feel it. And I was like, okay. So I turned. Gotta lean in a little bit. <laughs> you, probably, you probably did say something like that. Long story short, I freaking got right up against his bunghole looking for this, gross, baby. for this tick. It's true. You're the one that did it. Why are you saying it's gross? This was you. You did this. And that sucker ripped the nastiest poot. The, the freaking this side of the Mississippi. Right in my face. And then Brooke had pink eye for a month <laughs> no, after that. I, I didn't have pink eye. But, oh man, you know that's that's how we that's how we were, wasn't it? Right after that, you freaking just sprawled out in the bed like you were gut shot, and just started laughing uncontrollably. Oh, it was hilarious. I mean, it was that it was a defining moment. The courting stage was over. Yeah, it was over. That's how you got to break your. That's how you break your your wife in. I, uh. Uh, you know, back then, obviously, we we was we were living in sin. I don't I don't promote anymore. You know those types of relationships between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. But if you're fresh, checking for ticks. Well, I mean, yes, you're taking if, it there right now. If you uh, you're if you're it. freshly married and you want to break your wife in, y'all go out on coon hunting and check each other for ticks. I don't recommend doing what I did, though. I don't think it's it is absolutely hilarious. But you got to be a special type. You got to be a special couple to be able to make it through something like that. It was rough. Well, y'all, are, I, I don't know if you're lucky or unlucky that Brooke comes on this podcast because y'all wouldn't hear stories like that if it was just me. Oh, Chad likes he likes to. Uh filter himself well I, I like to talk about meaningful things i think that's meaningful it's funny can i have that water well it is funny the um humor is so it to me humor is just as important as like your hardcore stuff you but you know my funny bone my funny you don't, bone. you don't have a funny yeah bone. i mean <laughs> it's non-existent that's that's a that's a that's, a, that's a, i'll have to agree with that i sometimes i am funny on accident true <laughs> But um, <laughs> generally, I don't, I don't, uh, 
I don't really. Um, You're just not funny. Don't I, try to make it complicated. I don't even value comedy. Like, I don't watch, like, stand-up comedy or, like, you're all about some funny videos. Yeah. You are all about that stuff. Any, I love to laugh. Like, I think that's why I thrived so much, like, in the shipyard and working at the hardware store and, like, just around a bunch of freaking funny dudes, you know? Oh, you like, love it. It was awesome. You, you, fart jokes. Oh, yeah. You're I, a dang comedian. You used to t carry a fart machine around with you everywhere you went. At work. Yep. All the time. That's my favorite. I have the I have the humor of a 12-year-old boy, like 100%. Farts, poop, uh, private parts, um, <laughs> anything to do with any of that is hilarious to or me. Or anything funny with dogs. Yeah. You like that. Animals. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I, that that's part of my brain never really developed. I guess. Yeah. Well, you. Well, mean, I'm sure y'all enjoyed that story. I'm sure some of y'all did. Yeah, some people might have turned it off. I, if that if farting offends you, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. There's been a lot of things, a lot of other things on that I've said on the podcast that probably be a whole lot more offensive than that story you just told. So I think you're good. You're right. Speaking of, I want to clear something up real quick, and then we'll carry on. We'll, we'll now this is an origins episode. This isn't an episode to clear stuff. Clear no, stuff I'm clear. I'm clearing it up. So the other day, me and you were talking about therapists, and you don't have to respond. I just want to say what I meant when I was fighting for. What was the word you used? Secular? Is that right? I guess. Secular. You were referring to don't go see a therapist if they're not a Christian. And I said when I was in rehab, some of my about you if you listen, you know what I said. We disagreed. My thought process is here that you should definitely seek a counselor who's a Christian. But if you're in a circumstance like I was where I was a drug addict, I needed help. And the people around me that were therapists weren't Christians, but they were former drug addicts and they had my best interests at heart. And that worked for me. And they actually promoted my relationship with Jesus and my God. Mm -hmm. um, but there are bad therapists, Christian and secular. I just wanted I'll to agree with that. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that, you know, if you have an eating disorder, you can go see a therapist, you know, that has had an eating disorder that might be secular as long as your faith is strong. If you if you're really rocky in your faith, you definitely need to seek somebody who can, you know, help you clean up that area of your life. Well, but, that's your opinion and you're entitled to that. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> I still do, I still vehemently disagree with you. Explain how you disagree with the no, point that, about No, that is not the that's not what this podcast is about. <clears throat> You know why you, you can't? You don't want to talk about it because you don't have a good argument. Oh, whatever. You brought it up. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the origin stuff. We okay. can hash this stuff out on a, another podcast. Okay. I would love to hear everyone's opinion on that too. Like, send yeah. Brooke a message on Brooke's on Instagram now. She does a really good job with her stories. If you like Brooke's humor, go follow her on Instagram. You don't let me post anything funny. Like the other day. Baby, you're posting funny stuff all the time. Not but like funny stuff of me. Like, yes, I have to approve of it. 
No, yesterday when we were on the hill you took that video, you were like, you can't post that. Your funny stuff, though, you are, po- every, every post you make on your story has got some kind of humor. Like, someone will find it funny, every single one. You, you, you're really talented at that. Huh, you're, thank you, you're, cru- you're crushing the social media game. At least the stories. You don't post a lot. No. You mainly just do your stories, but that's your style. Yeah. I can't fall in line. Everyone has these, like, amazing things to say on Instagram, and I don't. Well, I'm a writer. I'm like a wordsmith. I mean, I love playing with words and and getting the most meaning and impact out of the fewest amount of words. It's like a Mm -hmm. game to me. You're so good at it, too. But you're, see, I am not talented at the story stuff. You are. You do I, a good job at it. I think I think you could do really well with the story with just letting people into your personal life and activities and check-ins, you know. I, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what. It'll be nice one day if we ever get some freaking internet. It'll make it much easier to do that. Yeah. We haven't had internet since November. Dude. <laughs> It is a pain. It's crazy. I didn't think yeah. we could do it, but we did it. We got cable TV. Go to the... Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely not fun. There's a lot of going to the office and the... Yeah. Uh, okay. SQT. So, graduate buds. I remember graduation. You didn't come. Oh, I, I that was graduation of SQT, wasn't it? Yeah, nobody comes to buds graduation. Oh, dang. Okay. It's just on the grinder and... BDUs and you don't get anything. You don't get your trident. You don't get anything. They're just like, good job. You graduated, buds. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, here the hardest thing you'll ever do in your whole life. Buds is way harder than SQT. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's less technical. Okay. But it is definitely harder. Yeah. So i am and me and you're both terrible with timelines oh let me if you don't know what buds and sqt is buds is basic underwater demolition seal training it's a six month long training pipeline it's a it's a selection pipeline they can just listen to the last two episodes and they'll hear that well sqt is seal qualification training so when you graduate buds you still you have another six month training block called seal qualification training that you have to go through before you get your trident and then you get your trident and then you go to your team and you have to train for two more years at your team they take your trident away from you when you get to your team then you have to train for two more years and then you finally deploy i didn't know about the but we're getting way ahead we can talk about that when we get there but i didn't know they took your trident from you so no when i started sqt i think um we uh yeah, we, we left we left the BUDS compound because we started getting housing allowance once yeah. we graduated BUDS. And I moved into that um, apartment with the guys uh, out there in... Great Bridge? No. Oh, gosh darn, Chula where am Vista. I at? Okay, San Wasn't Diego. Chula Vista? Isn't that what that place was called? Yeah, Chula Vista. Yeah, we moved into that apartment. But we just, we just like got the apartment and threw all our gear in there. And then we went to Kodiak. Alaska and so you weren't out you weren't you 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 weren't out there that first trip we did 
to Kodiak and SQT, you weren't yeah. you weren't living with me yet. Yeah, this during this time. We were together. Yeah, you were having a lot of problems with your dad. Yeah, I was, um, let's see, how old? I would have been 19? No, younger? You might have been. Well, no, you might have been. You might what have been. Year eight, was, no, you were 18. Yeah, 18. Yeah. I think, so where was I working? Do you remember? Let's see. Maybe that barbecue house or something? No, that was... I don't know. I'm sure you were waitressing. Oh, I was definitely waitressing. That's all I did. Yeah. But yeah, you were having, but you were having these arguments with your dad or, or, you know, whatever. It was just a dysfunctional situation. Yeah. Is your, your, I think my perspective on your life back then was it was just a, a big ball of dysfunction. Well, I was using already too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, that's what I was trying to remember, like where I was at and using where I was working, but I don't remember. So we can just talk about Kodiak and then. Well, I mean, Kodiak was a, it was an awesome trip. It was a winter time. We'd had a wintertime class and, um, it's a, it's a cold weather survival training block. It's about two months long in Alaska. You learn Everything I teach you guys at the basic course, we basically, that's where I first learned it at was in Kodiak. So it's just going out and doing these multi-day missions over and over again, back to back, learning all aspects of wilderness, wilderness survival and tactical movement in a wilderness environment and also in a cold weather environment. Down low, it was always raining and nasty. Up high, it was cold, so you might be camped in a tent one night you might be living in the snow cave the next night depending on the elevation you were at i mean we ate out of tide pools we learned to forge we learned to build debris huts we uh, heavy heavy land nav out there it was a really fun training block man i mean you could you if you broke that training block down again you could spend an hour talking just about that but that's what it is it's cold weather survival and then uh, or maritime, too. We did OTBs in the waters of Alaska. OTBs over the beach, so you get off a boat, swim over the shore. You already told them that. Yeah. Um, so. Was that the, during that training, did y'all have to do that thing where you, like, go in icy water and just sit and then have to warm yourself back up? Yeah, rewarming drills. What was that like? Well, okay. if, I mean, it was, uh, it sucked. I mean, what did you, they do? You come off a... I think we came off like a six-day long thing, uh, six days in the backcountry and uh, mission type of thing, full mission profile thing, and you finally get to your final objective and you get down to where you're supposed to get extracted and the instructors are there and they're they're busting the ice in the the little lake or the river. I forget which one it was down there. They're busting through the ice creating a hole big enough for you and your classmates to get in. And you have to, you're fully clothed. You're literally just coming into your extract point. You drop your rucksack and you jump into the icy water. With your with your clothes on? Everything, yeah. Only thing you don't have will use your rucksack, yeah. So, yeah, you jump. So, you've already been cold. You're tired. You've been cold for six plus days. 
you've you're hungry, you're out there eating crap, you know, not literally, like mountain house meals, <laughs> little trail snacks, like you're not eating good food. And so in a cold environment, that you know, that that's that's tough. Because you're more you're hungrier in, in when it's cold. Your body's burning more calories. And um you get in the water, I think you're in there for I don't know, I don't know how long. I don't remember. I wanna say I wanna say five minutes. It's a long time. But um Well not for y'all coming out of buds, that's not a long time. Well, it's different. That that cold, that ice it's literally ice water. So it's it's different. But yeah, it was it was cold, and it was cold too, extra cold because you were already cold and, and had malnourished been and wet and malnourished. Yeah, it never stopped raining or sleeting there, so you were always wet. But then you got to get out and do your rewarming drill, and we teach that. We teach that in the basic course, rewarming drills. It's pretty simple. Well, we'll keep that information for people who do the basic course, huh? Yeah, it's I mean it's a simple. Not like skill. they can't Google it. Yeah. So, you went to Kodiak right after you started SQT. You had moved in an apartment with... We won't say their names. Yeah, I stopped. Two other guys. And, uh... And so, I think shortly after we got back from Kodiak is when you called me wanting to come out to San Diego because the situation at home was, I guess, had become unbearable for you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I thought, we thought, you coming out to San Diego would be a a grand adventure. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, so you just, you packed up a suitcase, mm-hmm. and uh, we somehow got you a plane ticket. When neither one of us had any money back then yep. for anything. And you moved to san diego moved into the apartment we shared a little small bed tiny bedroom yeah um we had a mattress that was literally oh about as thick as a a little ground pad that you'd lay on in on a camping trip well look and let me let me set well first of all i remember going to the airport i remember and i actually wasn't using too bad back then i was dabbling and i was like pretty well addicted but i wasn't like terrible yet but i remember some of my best friends were kenny and cody and i remember telling them that i was leaving what do you want the water yeah um i remember telling them i was leaving and them two and mom and danielle drove me to the airport and dropped me off and everybody was crying and because i guess they all thought that this was it like i would never come back home Mm -hmm. right I mean, we didn't know if you were going to be stationed in San Diego forever or not. And um, our apartment, yeah. So our apartment, if you're from out there, you're familiar with San Diego, the 905 runs all the way to the border. Well, we lived... I don't know if it's a 905. It's called the 5. It's the same thing. Okay. The same interstate. Some people call it the 905. Some people call it the 5. I think someone can correct me if I'm wrong. We could see the Mexican flag flying. Yeah. So we lived where that that highway started looking like not like a highway anymore, like a four-lane, like not an interstate, but a highway. We lived right there. Like Chad says, I could have shot somebody with a 22 in Mexico from where we lived. Good Lord, boo-boo. What? 
shot somebody come on you know what i mean um and uh so yeah we lived with those other two guys and there were always more guys at the apartment playing video games like our apartment was always full of people uh, guys and girls girls yeah seriously yeah well that that comes later all the folks moving in but <laughs> i remember these are my classmates by the way yeah they were so yeah. they were like they were good good guys oh, they yeah. weren't like bums it was fun yeah but um i remember we had been there for a week and i was cooking it was easter i was cooking easter um dinner and all of a sudden everything on the counter just shifted and everything went off the counter and go, growing up in georgia like we have tornadoes that's that's it right and I remember looking up at you and being like, what is going on? And it, it started right at that initial jerk, and then it went crazy, and it was a 7.3 earthquake. I think it's still the biggest that they've had since then. They haven't had one any bigger. And I remember me and you going to the doorway of the apartment, looking out across to the other side of the apartments, and the the walls were flexing so much that you would see daylight coming through the crack of the door because the frame was bending so much. Do you remember that? And like people uh, on the bottom floor were running out. I just remember seeing the ground look like it was it was like waving. It was the actual freaking ground. crazy. And I thought we were like, I don't think I. Th it happened so fast, but I remember thinking like, is this gonna kill us? Like, is this building gonna make it? And and it was a big building too. We were we were on like the third or fourth floor. Or we something. were on the third floor. Yeah, that that was crazy. So my recollection of initially moving out is that earthquake, and then the aftershocks were freaking huge. They were like five point something, and that was Easter Sunday. The next morning, you were leaving for a school. I don't remember what it was, but I remember like I knew nobody. Like, I knew nobody in California, period. I knew nothing about California, where we lived, where even the grocery store was. Um, and here I am, like, with these earthquakes and this brand new place, and Mexico's like a stone's throw away, and people are getting kidnapped. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Well, it's always, it's all, it always amazes me um, that we even, like, made it through life without dying from something because when you look back on it you realize how much so we were just kids yeah you know and even my life experience was limited to the training that i had had up to that point mm -hmm. in the navy um so yeah it was it was a crazy time man remember we had uh i used to smoke cigarettes in the apartment and i would blow them out the window Oh, yeah. And then our room was always just gross. And then we had a ball python named Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you wanted a snake for some reason. Yeah, that was fun. I like. I yeah. still like the snake. And then right outside of our room, we had that. We had the <laughs> smallest room in the apartment, so we got to also utilize the... Dining room. What was supposed to be the dining room. It was not a dining room. It was just a room that I had all of my gear piled into and clothes and shoes and anything anything else. we owned i mean yeah yeah we had a ton of gear 
I had a ton of gear mm-hmm. because we got issued gear for SQT. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have cages back then, like lockers. So you had to bring it home. Yeah. But yeah, it was um it was a mess. Two kids. We were all pretty much kids living out there. Oh yeah. Of course, me doing my thing. SQT required us to travel quite a bit. I mean, al- almost all the training blocks were were not. None of them were in San Diego. Maybe like combatives, and I think a part of Sears School was in in town. But um, that was about it. So we were gone a lot. I mean, I can. You you started hanging out with Nicole and Sherry. Yeah, yeah. You started hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. So that gave you a little bit of. Oh yeah, Sherry was from San Diego, and she was the girlfriend of one of your roommates. And I actually just talked. I still talk to her, but she showed me around, and that was that was a godsend because. Yeah, y'all ended up being good buddies. Yep, we stayed friends. We were. I mean, I was gone. All the time. Yeah. And it was like that from that moment until really two years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. you and until I started in rehab and I guess 2014 it would have been. No. Yeah, you quit traveling a whole lot ever since. Well, I that's because I had to. I, that's because I went to the team when. Uh, when you decided to go into rehab, I remember sitting at the table with you in rehab and being like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm loving this job. I'm gonna keep traveling." You we're, know, we're jumping so far yeah, forward. Yeah, I know. Okay, so SQT, um, I'm living there. I've made two friends. I'm kind of oh, I'm sober. Obviously, I didn't know anybody out there. I couldn't get any drugs. So I was doing. I mean, we were both doing really well. I thought. Yeah, I mean that time to me was I have I have not a lot of I, I, recollections with you. I mean I can remember walking to the the Panda Express and we, went to we Panda ate Express. there like every other day. Yep. Right. We we didn't really cook anymore because because living with all those people, you, no one could keep food in the refrigerator no it was awful yes no like terrible everyone would just raid the refrigerator yep so we ate at pan express and don (laughs) ponchos you know when when we went out to eat together i mean i can remember going out to the uh the buds o course with you on fourth of july yep and climbing up on the tower and watching the fireworks from the top of that uh the top of the tower yep that was cool that was a cool night yep yep but other than that, man, I mean, we spent so little time together. Yep. You know, very brief moments here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was all about, it was all about training. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. And and the training was intense. I mean, oh, yeah. that that was SQT is where you go from. Again, that selection phase in buds to SQT, you're actually being. Like graded, you're doing dangerous stuff. Yeah. Um, in free fall school, free fall was where I learned I was allergic. Oh my gosh. To uh, a certain type of nut, and <clears throat> I literally ate a sandwich with this nut on it. Pine nuts. And I go up in the airplane to do my jump, and 
uh, as as we get as we're gaining altitude and we get up we we open the door and we're ready to go out my throat starts to close up and i go into anaphylactic shock and here i am at 14,000 feet getting ready to jump out of an airplane going through anaphylactic shock for the first time have no clue what's going on um i think i ended up I think I ended up riding the plane down. I think I told one of our instructors that, that like, hey, I can't breathe. Something's wrong. My face and head started to swell up. It was crazy. Yeah, I had pumpkin head. Yeah. I got pumpkin head. Well, and I was back at the apartment, and I knew y'all were in free fall school because it was one of the local ones, right? And your buddy called me and was like, hey, I just dropped Chad off at the hospital. I'm like, what? Like, I just knew there was a freaking jump accident. accident. Yeah. yeah. And that, like you said, at that time, we didn't know what it was. It took you a minute to figure it out. But you had pumpkin head. Like, you could barely see your eyes because your head was so. And even that was even hours later. I didn't see you mm-hmm. during the fact. I know. Hours yeah. later, your head was still double the size it is now. Oh, it was, yeah. It was it was unbelievable. But. That was a pretty, that was an experience. Wait, and then didn't you go back and get the same sandwich and tell the woman to leave the nuts off and she put them back on and it happened again? Oh yeah, happened again, but but not as, not as bad that time because I sat down and started to eat the sandwich and one of my good buddies said, uh, hey man, you might want to check that sandwich and make sure she didn't put that stuff on it again. And I said, oh, I told her. I told her not to put it on there, huh. and he said, no, just go ahead and check it. So I'd only taken like one or two bites, and I opened it up, and sure enough, she had put it on there did again. Did you have to go to the hospital then? I think I did, yeah. yeah I, think, I think, But it wasn't too. near as bad. I don't think it was near as bad yeah. that time. But, yeah, so that was kind of the craziest thing that happened in in uh, in jump school for me. We uh, We did static line and free fall. So, easy day there. Nothing crazy other than anaphylactic shock at 14,000 feet. (laughs) Um, I remember, and and I might be jumping way ahead, but the school that sticks out in my mind the most is when you went to Sears School. Yeah, so Sears School was, um, that was toward the very end of training. And uh, it was was a, a miserable, miserable training block. I mean, it's out in the desert. Uh, you, you, what's the purpose? Tell people to start like, um, SEER school is SEER survive. E S is survive. E is escape. C R resist. E. Oh, maybe the last E is Look, escape. I don't really yeah, care it, about the acronym. It's, it's, Just if you get captured in war, it teaches you what you should or shouldn't say, how you should treat your captors and how to escape. I mean, you learn all kinds of crazy stuff, how to pick locks and handcuffs and how to get away and use, uh, you know, organic like internal networks in the country that you're in to move across the country. And Didn't you say, and maybe I'm just like imagining, but didn't you tell me that they put you in like a little wooden box, you were all cramped up and they were playing like really loud repeats of like babies crying or something oh yeah like yeah. some some straight mind screw 
claustrophobic, insane. Like oh yeah, they'd strip you down naked and have like females come by and and check you and like weird stuff to screw with your mind. And yeah, loud babies cl- crying for hours on end while you're luck- locked in a cage. And they would, I mean, that's the school, one school where that, well, not the one school, but they would just blindside you and, you know, hit you, slap you, push you. Um, you know, it was very realistic training. I mean, it was, it was intense. And, and our SEER school is ran in house. So it's only SEALs and it's taught by other SEALs. So it's different than anyone else's SEER school. A lot of people go through SEER school in the military. Ours is internal. So, um, you know, I, I'm kind of biased. I, I tend to think it's probably the most difficult because it is in-house. And uh, I, I did get in big trouble at SEER school, though. I almost, I almost lost. Um, they almost kicked me out mm-hmm. in SEER school for a unbelievably stupid reason yeah that's the navy for you yeah and this just goes to show you the freaking stupidity that you even have to deal with in this in the seal teams the bureaucracy of the united states government knows no bounds so (laughs) we were doing a urban urban exercise where you had to escape from an urban environment so the first thing you want to do if you're in an urban environment as a prisoner of war if you escape your captors you want to get out of your military uniform and you want to change into whatever the local population is wearing, right? Obviously, this is common freaking sense. So we did. We escaped and we're we're in this urban environment and we go by this Chinese restaurant and they had left the, the back window open on the restaurant. And so we just we just went through that window. We went in their locker room and took a took some regular civilian clothes from from their locker room. And now, probably suspected they staged that. Well, yeah, we didn't know if this yeah. was. I mean, we're this is all role playing at this point, mm-hmm. so we don't know what's part of the the role and what's not. And so we take we do literally do what we were taught to do, and we get out of our military uniform, put this stuff on. And we go on about our business. Well, we get done with that evolution. Everything's fine. Well, then the Chinese restaurant calls somebody at Naval Special Warfare Command and tells them that somebody broke into their restaurant. We didn't break and enter. The freaking window was open. Like, we did what we were taught to do. And instead of the the instructor cadre... And the leadership at SQT, instead of them backing our play and saying these guys were doing what they were trying to do, screw you, Chinese restaurant, <laughs> um, they decided to freaking hammer us and take us to a DRB, a disciplinary review board, and threaten to not let us graduate yep. and basically make us feel like fools for doing what we were trained to do. You were worried you were going to get kicked out. Like, you were worried your dreams were going to get stripped again. I remember you were terrified. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was yeah. at the very end of SQT. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't know. I still hold a grudge against the Navy for that. It really is stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, how you know how they did they they if 
If they didn't want things like that to happen, they should have been very specific on the level of role play they wanted you guys to do. Yeah. I you mean, know, you thought you had, I mean, you thought your career depended on you doing a good job and being resourceful. Exactly. Like. That was me and a couple guys had to go through that. And, you know, so there's that from, uh, from Sears School. Um, close quarters combat, CQC is an extremely intensive training block. It is, it's very, very technical. It's very dangerous. Obviously, you're, you're shooting live rounds inside of a house in a very closed environment. And you don't get, as a student, you don't get to screw up. You don't get a second chance. So, simple, simple things. Like, if you took one step too far if you penetrated into the room one step too far that was like a safety violation it was super intense constantly getting graded in you know the instructors are on catwalks above you so they can see your every move and uh very very high stress man cortisol levels are just constantly through the roof you're not getting much sleep you're not getting much food um but it's training. That's the way it's supposed to be. I'm not complaining. I'm complaining about the thing in Sears School. Yeah. CQC, I'm not complaining about it. It's it's great that for them to create that type of stress. Um, but to give you a little insight on why a career in the SEAL teams weighs so hard on your body is when those cortisol levels stay so high, you're, you have a huge physical demand. Your diet nutrition is terrible um it's a recipe for disaster there's a picture i posted on instagram a few times and it's me in full body armor pulling two sleds filled with weights and kettlebells up a hill and so that was like a that was a punishment there there was a huge hill and you had to pull those sleds up that hill if you like missed a shot not in the house, but at, out on the range, like a shot on the paper. Because we'd do a half day on the range, and then you'd do a half day in the house is how that worked. And um, by the grace of God, I made it through that training. Country boys are usually pretty good at CQC because it is a lot of common sense stuff. And um, made it through that. Uh, land warfare out in Nyland. Mm-hmm. All these training blocks are, are absolutely brutal. Land Didn't warfare you? is the same way. Didn't you um, collapse your arches? Yeah, in land warfare, yeah. you had to do a 18-mile-long ruck with, like, I don't know, a 45-pound ruck um, and your, your weapon and ammunition. So I carried a automatic weapon, a Mark 46 or a Mark 48, depending on the day, belt-fed machine gun uh, out in Nyland at land warfare. So that was the weapon I carried on my ruck. It's extremely heavy, and yeah, it did. It collapsed the arches in my feet. You know, I wasn't a runner back then, so that was that was tough. It man, it was just so hot out in Ireland, and the the op tempo out there in that training block is just you you don't have time to do anything, but but you're you're working all the time. Get a few hours to sleep every night, and that's about it. Super intense dive phase, two two dives a day. Uh, daytime and then nighttime ship attacks turtlebacks uh, hitting piers all on a dragger 
closed circuit, pure O2 diving in the San Diego Bay. Dangerous as crap. Extremely dangerous. Freaking runoff from Tijuana flows into that bay. The water's nasty as crap. If you get a little cut or something, becomes instant, instantly infected. Mm-hmm. Some kind of crazy bacteria that... Nobody knows what a, it is. Yeah. Your sinuses are all jacked up all the time. You're blowing nastiest stuff out of your face. Well, and tell them, too, what is that thing where if water gets in and mixes, it turns into an acid and will, like, burn your... What is? It's called explain? a caustic cocktail. Yeah. And that's part of the closed-circuit diving is very dangerous. Uh, that's why you guys that aren't combat divers, you're used to recreational diving... You probably think this sounds crazy, but closed circuit diving is very dangerous. First of all, these dive rigs that we use, it's old technology, but it works. It's essentially a a dive rig that doesn't produce bubbles. So it's a rebreather. You breathe in a breath of pure oxygen, and then when you breathe that breath out, it goes through a canister that scrubs away the carbon carbon dioxide. Uh, Yeah. Carbon, yeah, so it scrubs that out of the breath, and then you rebreathe that same breath over and over and over again until you've used up all the oxygen out of it, and then you pull another fresh breath off your little oxygen tank. So it's a rebreather, and in that canister, the chemical that's in that canister, it looks like cat litter. It's called sodasorb, and that's what scrubs the carbon dioxide out of your breath. Well, it's just in a canister with a lid on it you fill it up before every dive and the lid's got an o-ring on it but as you're diving these rigs are so old and it's got tubes coming in and out of it if water's going to leak into that canister at some point during the dive it's supposed to be sealed but it's not sealed because it's old it's just i mean it's just old and, and nothing is you know nothing is perfect and as water seeps into that canister and mixes with that soda sorb uh the liquid that's produced is is an, is acid Essentially, salt water mixed with soda sorb, it turns into acid. And what will happen is eventually that canister will get over full and you will breathe that acid up into your mouth when you go to take a breath in and then potentially down your throat and into your lungs. So on almost every dive, you'll hear that canister start to gargle, you know, or gurgle, whatever you call it. And that is that just telling you that there is water in that canister and you're just waiting for it or hoping that it's not going to get to a certain level where it's going to leak into your breathing loop and you end up taking that down into your mouth and potentially burning your throat and lungs. It happens every dive. Every, almost every dive, somebody would get taken out by a caustic cocktail. And it doesn't really kill you. I mean, it could. the thing that's going to kill you is if that happens and you, you panic. Drown. Well, yeah, you yeah. can you can drown. Yeah, you're right. But usually what would get guys is when they would suck that acid into their mouth, it'd freak them out, and they'd panic. And then they would sh- they would hold their breath because they didn't want to take another breath in, and yeah. they'd be freaked out. And then they would just shoot to the surface of the water. Now, with these rebreathers, you can't dive any deeper than 30 feet. Pure oxygen is toxic below 30 feet it's strange how things react underwater how things are underwater Mm. it's not a natural environment for humans but even if you're only 10 15 feet underwater and you're breathing compressed air or oxygen and you shoot to the surface as you 
go to the surface, that air in your lungs expands and it will actually explode your lungs, right? And so that's that's called a arterial gas embolism. And can that kill you? Oh yeah. So you there was guys in your class that that happened to? We had guys, we did have a few guys get get it's called again AGE. We did have a few guys get those. So what they'll do is um, those all that air leaks out into oh, they your put them in a body. Chamber, don't yeah, they? they'll put you in. They'll put you in a chamber, and the chamber will actually change the the pressure of of the air around you to simulate the pressure that you were at when you were diving. So all that all those bubbles of air that leak out into you, they shrink back down, right? And then you just got to stay in that chamber until your body absorbs all that stuff all that air that that busted out of your lungs i know guys some of you guys if you're like technical about this diving stuff i'm sure you could explain it much better i just had to understand what was happening so i'm explaining it to you in country boy terms i think you're doing a good job but diving is um i I think personally is probably one of the most dangerous things that we did as seals and people don't know it yeah and you didn't like it i mean that was the only thing that you really were like, oh, when y'all had to go dive. Well, you know, I I'll be honest with you, man. I did well. I think I did well all the way through about the end of second phase in buds. And uh like moving into SQT after we graduated Kodiak, I, I got a I developed a really bad attitude. A really bad attitude. And the source of that was when you class up for SQT, you you get a bunch of these people oh, yeah. that get rolled into your class. So a bunch of these people, a bunch of these guys that didn't meet performance standards, and they're getting another shot. You talked about this yeah, already, too. They get rolled into your class. So when, once we got into SQT, the vast majority of our class was people that had been rolled and i had a really bad attitude about that man i did not like it i did not think that it was fair um and you know i i thought that those guys had a like we said before those guys had had a long vacation mm-hmm. and i thought that they should have to the bear the majority of the grunt work just the stupid bullcrap work that you don't see out at land warfare having to load 500 M4 mags before you go out for a, you know, a five-hour session of night runs in the desert. Um, you know, and I, and I, I'd be, just be honest with you, I thought that they should bear the brunt of that since they got a vacation. You know what I mean? So I had a big chip on my shoulder, man, and, you know, it affected my relationship with my classmates. Obviously, we had a tight-knit group of us guys that had been in it from the beginning, Mm -hmm. but we were a very small percentage of the class, like very small. There were, you know, by that time, by middle SQT, you know, there might have been 12, maybe 15 of us that, you know, were, were there through, you know, went through in one shot, and the class was probably... 50 something strong yeah so um yeah that i'm not saying that i'm right 
just telling you where I was at with that. And then, so what's next? Well, I mean, I'm trying to think if we, I'm sure there's other training. Yeah, there's other training stuff that we did in SQT, you know, all kinds of combatives and different stuff that certain training blocks you can't really talk about and this and that. But anyways, uh, I mean, I guess graduation, graduating SQT, um, that's the one, that's the big one where everybody comes out. Yeah. Your mom and your dad. And we put them up in a hotel right there in somewhere like straight up freaking Mexico. Oh, oh, do you not remember? It was like most, a lot of the motels have two strips of buildings and they face each other. So you can see the rooms across the way. Do you remember we were all getting ready to go maybe to your graduation? I don't think you were there. And across the way, I mean, not far, quit with your dip. Stop moving it around your mouth like that. Thank you. Um, the, uh, gosh darn it, just ruined my thought. Oh, you're probably talking about when we, so we had no idea how to accommodate guests. So our family was flying out to graduation. It was my Mother, my father, my little brother, Blake, and um, Caitlin and Nanny. Caitlin and my and my grandmother. Yeah. And so we had no clue how to accommodate them, and they had never traveled before. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll we'll get you a room. So we just see this hotel, and we're like, oh, well, that's as good as any. It's rough. And keep in mind, guys, we didn't have any money. Yep. Our family didn't have any money mm-hmm. so like we can't like ho- the hotel dell on yeah. coronado island is not an option for my family yeah you know and so we're just thinking this is place is cheap it's right here we didn't realize how rough the area was because we had been living amongst it yeah for six straight months yeah but now i remember my story yeah we were all getting ready to head to your graduation and we kind of had the hotel door open and some of us were standing outside some were grabbing their purse and stuff and there was this freaking hog of a woman mexican yeah i mean it doesn't matter that she's mexican (laughs) i guess everybody there was mexican yeah and we like i mean i really liked that's where i learned to like the mexican culture by the way um and really appreciate it but that woman was naked, fupa, rolls, fat, butt naked, just strutting outside the hotel room. And I remember just thinking, what the crap? That's the end of the story. I don't, she didn't, I don't remember. I think she went inside after a few minutes because I started hollering. I'm telling you, man. uh, Yeah, I'm glad I missed that one. Graduation day for me was a it was a stressful day. I mean, everybody was there. That was cool. I don't know why it was such a stressful day. Um, I don't. I don't remember. You know. You know why. You know why it was a stressful day for me, and why. Why I, I didn't. It's not that I didn't feel accomplished, but that was right after that thing had happened in Sear School, and they had been dragging me and a couple of my classmates through the ringer on this bull crap. And yeah, I was a kid and I was a student, but I still knew what freaking bullcrap was. 
And um, I was I was pissed about that, man. You know, I thought here here it is. Here's the day I'm supposed to get my trident. And these guys that these instructors that I've looked up to for now for over a year, actual seals that have their trident, um, you know, are trying to burn me for doing something that, that they trained us to do. And I was upset about that. I really was, man. It, 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 it's hard to explain. Now, that being said, that doesn't take anything away from what the trident means. Um, the SEAL teams, I, I still believe, have the best men that America can muster. Those, those are the men that compose the majority of the SEAL teams. So I'm not, by no means am I putting down what the trident means. It's, it's still a wonderful accomplishment. But I graduated that day, and we uh, we had all of our stuff loaded up in the Lord back of a Dodge pickup truck mercy. and a in a little um, Chevrolet ZR2 S10. Yeah, the diesel we had that came from Tijuana that had been wrecked, totaled. They put it back yeah, together and sold it. it to us. Yeah, you couldn't buy a car <laughs> around there, man, because those Mexicans were. We're running chop shops and selling their cars in San Diego. And, of course, yeah, we made that mistake. But, you know, I had orders to – I had orders to – Virginia Beach. SEAL Team 8, Virginia Beach. Yep. And we had a little bit of leave mm -hmm. between SQT and BUDS. So our plan was to drive from San Diego to Georgia mm -hmm. and spend about a week and then – leave from there and go to Virginia Beach and check into the SEAL team. Blake was driving a uh Blake was dri Blake was driving for the most time the S ten, Blake and Caitlin. Yep. And we were driving the Dodge and just driving across the country, man, having freaking no clue. And um that's where things really fell apart. Yes. With our relationship. And I think we should save that for the next episode so we don't cheat it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of big changes happened during that trip and right after that trip. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to be saving it. Yeah, so I know, Um, I, I mean, I, I think that that, that that, I hope that that does that time of our life justice. I mean, it's a kind of a shorter conversation, but, you know, it is it really is what it is i guess the training for me for me that portion of my life was i was had to be engrossed in the training that that i was doing whoa whoa i, I, I mean i'm just saying that that's that's the reason why there's again not a lot of memories together from that time no i mean i knew that I was a kid too, but I knew very quickly that if I wanted to be with you, I would have to learn how to be independent and entertain myself because I couldn't rely on you to f to feel any some sort of way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was definitely the groundwork for 
deciding whether I wanted to do that relationship or not because it was just a little glimpse into what our life was going to look like, you know? Yeah. And at that time, you were like, I'm going to be a SEAL for forever. Like, I'm going to retire. Ever, I think everybody said that, you know, like you had just worked so hard and gone through so much and you're thinking 20 years, like, I'm definitely going to want, you know? Oh, yeah. So at that time, like we thought that was going to be life like that was going to be what my life was going to be like mm-hmm. and it was for a long time yeah and i was proud of you too though like i was very proud of you it was so surreal that you went and like we went from you coming to me excuse me off of red mountain road and saying i want to be a navy seal and i'm like oh good for you you know to the heart stuff coming back from that getting through making it through the entire thing scotch-free other than that little incident i mean i was that that didn't set me back no and it wasn't your fault you're right it was stupid so you you just went in and crushed it you won some hard charger awards and recognition for i don't know you just crushed it in san diego like i i personally have several good memories like um, with David, and I can say his name because he's been on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, you guys have heard David. Yeah. yeah, David Charbonnet. And um, being over at their apartment with him and our other buddy mm-hmm. and Janet. and um, They were they were so much more established than we were. Oh, my they gosh. Were, and, and maybe yeah. that's just our perspective. Well, no, but, but they were from San Diego. They had lived out there because yeah. David's dad was a SEAL. And, Man, we had no clue what and, we were doing. And they were older, too. You know, David... David's a little older than me. Is he? Yeah, yeah, oh. he is. And and and, uh, and also, I mean, you know, he, his dad was a seal. Yeah. They they he had a he had a wonderful base of leadership, knowledge, and skills yeah. and ability. Yeah. Um, well, we hung out with them. I remember we used to love to go to La Jolla, California, and go to La Jolla Cove, Sunset Cliffs. Pacific Beach. Where was the place? Started with an inn. It was where um, David and them lived. Do you remember the beach? What was what it was called? I don't remember. Had the volleyball nets. Yeah, Mission Beach. Mission Beach. Yeah. yeah, Mission Beach. We went to Del Mar. Remember when we went to the fair in Del Mar? I can't remember that. Yeah, we went to the um, the. I think it was like a state fair. Um, we went to Julian a lot. It was a little mountain town, just about an hour, um, east of San Diego. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I have, I think I have more memories because I didn't really have a lot going for me then. I was just kind of floating and spending every moment I could with you when you were available. Did one of those gnats fly in your eye? Oh yeah. Chad has like... It's like the cartoons over here. He hasn't taken a shower in a few days, and he has these... Yes, I took a shower yesterday, (laughs) man. I just trained hard today. He has these gnats circling his head, and they're not bothering me at all. But they're over there freaking just going round and round. Checker flew right in my eye, man. I did a double wad today. I'm all wadded up, son. Look, I'm talking. Sorry. I know you don't like me to talk on the Origin series. You like to only talk about yourself. I have tried not to tell 
a hundred million SQT stories on this. You did a good job. Other than you retold a few things that you've already told before. Yeah. And you went in, and but I was nice. I didn't say anything. I just let you do it. You're welcome. Um, I have a lot of good memories from San Diego. Overall, I think I grew a lot as a person. And I am grateful for, because you took care of me, you know. If it weren't for you and what you were doing, I wouldn't have had a place to stay or it was just it was just fun yeah you got to explore a lot more of it and see a lot more of it than i did Mm -hmm. it was a sacrifice you made for me to be able to do that well thank you for that biscuit oh my gosh um but yeah we when we we left there and like i say everything really fell apart on that drive Mm mm-hmm Back to Georgia. And I think it was our, I'm not going to go into detail, but I think it was, there wasn't much to fall apart because we didn't have much of a foundation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We just, we went into it in lustful love. And I was, then we got, we were separated. With zero guidance. Yeah. no From anybody. Yeah. And we had no adult role models. Baby, that's not true. No, we're not going to have that conversation. Though. That's not true. I'm saying in San Diego. Oh, like There okay. was no adult. Like, oh. we had no role models, like, surrounding us out Got there. It. Okay, my bad. No, you're right. We didn't have any. We were just all a bunch of kids together. Yeah. And, um, no, I, I definitely think that we we went into that. A lot of married couples don't make it through that. So we were naive to think that our relationship would stay strong and good, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm good to end it if you are. And the next time we'll pick up on that drive and give everybody the. Tell the Martin's Biscuit story. Yeah, the Martin's Biscuit story. Oh, man. Oh, I got to tell one story from San Diego. Okay. Are you done? Because I want to end it after this. Yeah. So I had made a new friend. It was one of the team guys wives and they had lived in an apartment just down the highway from us or the interstate. And I was, I had something wrong with me and I had taken antibiotics and antibiotics always tear up my stomach. So I was on the interstate and my stomach started bubbling and I knew I had to go number two. And I was in traffic and in Georgia, I just pull over and jump the guardrail and go in the woods. Like, I do it often. It Chad calls me the highway crapper. Like, it just happens. But in San Diego, there's, like, a few things of cactus and, like, maybe a palm tree. Yeah. Like, there is nowhere to hide. So, I was thinking, I can make it. Traffic is moving really slow, but I could see my exit. I was like, I can make it. I can make it. And y'all all know that feeling that like you're starting to sweat and you're starting to panic, and you're getting tingly, your stomach's cramping, and I was like, the only option I have is to use the grocery bag, because I was bringing groceries over there, so I dumped out all the groceries, and I put the grocery bag un- underneath my bum why in the seat. Why would you tell this? Why, I just, why would you tell this? It's funny. <laughs> you got you got to tell your dang funny story at the beginning. I thought this is funny. Why are you ruining it for me? Uh, don't go proceed. Now you just ruined it. What's wrong with telling this story? I think everybody knows what happens from this point. Fine then. 
I won't finish the story. You'll never know what happened in that grocery bag. It's gross. It's grossing me out. You can leave it for the imagination of the listeners. Okay. You are crazy, man. <laughs> this is listen. This is literally thousands of people listen to this, and you're telling that. Look, every person. Look, do not bring me an adult in their 30s and look me in the eye and tell me you haven't crapped your pants since you were like 15. Well, yeah, but how many of them have crapped in a grocery bag? You don't even know if that's what happened. You won't let me that's finish true. it. That's true. But I'm not going to finish it now since you're being a freaking D-bag. I'm just protecting you, baby. I don't care if everybody knows that I crapped. I don't care. <laughs> do you think? I, do you think I would be telling this story if I cared? Well, this is the three of seven podcast all about all things body, soul, and spirit. So I guess that's some bodily functions. That's right. I guess we can fit it in there, huh? Yeah. Maybe maybe if you guys want to hear the rest of that story, you can ask for it. Because otherwise, Chad's not going to let me tell it. Just like he didn't let me post a story the other day because he was like, oh, that's vulgar. Give me a Whatever, freaking break. Uh, this is the three you, of seven podcast. Yeah. You have, said you have to protect Brooke from herself. I don't. Okay, so what is someone? So t say I tell a story about pooping my pants. What is someone going to do with that? I'm that you need to protect me from. I'm just messing with you. What are they going to do? Make fun of me? No. Like I'm that? Just, like I like I care? You might no. You might have to get a job one day. If if, if I'm someone, just oh my just gosh, joking with you. First of all, I have three jobs right now. Second of all... You're a business owner. Yeah. I'm a business owner. I have a, a regular job. What are we doing? Let's get off this. I'm ready yeah, to go to bed. My bad. All right, guys. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of the Origins series. We'll pick it back up with that drive across the country on the next episode and go into and through um, that and my experience showing up to my first SEAL team. And all all of the other, every single experience Chad had for the rest of his life. <laughs> You'll hear all of them. Love you guys. Enough said. Enough said. <laughs>